You are listening to You Are a Lawyer. I'm Kyla Denagno, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm selling merchandise at shopyouarelawyer.com. That's where you can find water bottles, long and short sleeve t-shirts, and everything you need to support the You Are a Lawyer podcast. So support your favorite lawyer's favorite podcaster and visit shopyouarelawyer.com to grab some merchandise. In episode 57, I am speaking with a money coach and lawyer. This guest helps lawyers change their money mindsets and create financial plans. Based in Atlanta, Georgia, today's guest is Ro Thomas. So welcome to the podcast, Ro. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So I have been following you on Instagram and I love personal finance and I manage to finance in my household between myself and my husband. And I just like talking about money, right? So you have this Instagram page where you talk about how you're paying off your school debt and then you have a podcast. So I'm like, oh my God, you got to come talk to my people. So please tell them everything that I did not just share <laughs> about <laughs> yourself. Hello, people. My name is Ro Thomas. I am a money coach for lawyers. I help you learn to manage your finances and your money mindset so that you can unlock the power and the freedom that comes with having control of your money. I also, as Kyla mentioned, have a podcast called Wealthy-esque, where I share bite-sized tidbits each week for you to do just that. So I am really excited to be here to talk with you today. Yeah. So I just recently found out about money mindset and then recently, I mean, like January, 2022. What? Very recently then. Yes. I mean, I have a godmother who used to tell me about budgeting. She always used the envelope system. So then I learned the envelope system and I love that. And then I learned how to use auto pay, you know, like I made sure our, our money would cover so that we could do auto pay comfortably and not have to uh, micromanage it. And then I've recently started to pay for bills um, for the entire year. Like our car insurance will pay for the year. Life insurance will pay for the year. Just so you don't have those like nagging little things. Yeah, because those are the types of things that tend to fall through the cracks for a lot of people too. Yeah, I mean, it took me a while to get there. I was definitely out of college when I learned the things, but I am glad that I have them. Um, So what, how would you describe money mindset? So money mindset is the way you think about money the way that you think about yourself and your ability to manage money. Okay. So I think that money mindset is the key to personal finance. Like people focus a lot on strategy, but strategy is only like 10 to 20% of it. Like we all know what to do. Your money Mm -hmm. mindset is the reason that you're not doing it. Right. Like we, we read all of the things that talk about spending less than you make and about paying yourself first and saving and paying off debt and all of that. But if you think that money is complicated or you think that you're just not good with money or you think that creating a budget is tedious, like all of these types of things, then you're not going to do it. Mm. And so if you don't have that money mindset, right, then you're not going to apply the strategies, even if you know what to do. Okay, I could see that because. I don't know what it was, you know, what I could call the change that I had, but there was a big change. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I started practicing the stuff that I knew. Next thing I knew, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get paid so I can like pay for everything. Right. Like I was starting to look forward to it. It's like, oh, yeah, now we get to pay for all this stuff and don't think about it again for a while. Um, Yeah, I guess that is a mindset change. Exactly. Your mindset shifted. So whatever that was, however you were thinking about money or, you know, managing money before, 
completely changed because you said now you are excited. It sounds mm-hmm. like before you were not excited. And mm-hmm. maybe if there was some avoidance or something like that, all of that has to do with your mindset. Okay. Very cool. And why did you become a finance coach? Like what sparked this interest? Yeah, it started with my personal story that you talked about a little bit already. Back in 2016, my husband and I realized that we had over $670,000 of debt, most of which was student loans. So we had about $200,000 on a mortgage, like $10,000 on a car loan, and then the rest of that was student loans. Okay. And we had just had our first child, and the firm that I was practicing with at the time offered a benefit where you could do a percentage of the billable hour requirement for the corresponding percentage of your salary. So if I wanted to do, say, 80% of whatever the requirement was, I could get 80% of my salary. Hmm. So I was thinking about like, oh, maybe I could take advantage of this benefit. Didn't know about the $670,000 of debt at the time. And so that's kind of what prompted us to look into our finances to see if we could afford to take advantage of that. And That's what we found, $670,000 of debt and a negative $342,000 net worth. So I did not take advantage of that benefit. I went on back to work full time. Yeah. And, (laughs) but that is what kind of prompted us to really research different strategies that we could take to improve our finances. And to be clear, we were doing the things that we thought we were supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like we used a credit card, but we paid it off in full every month and we were saving a little. We were like maxing out our 401ks, but we weren't paying attention. And specifically, we weren't paying attention to our cash flow. So like, you know, we weren't overspending, like we weren't spending beyond what we made, but we weren't paying attention to where we were spending, how much we were spending, that kind of thing. And then we weren't paying attention to that debt. So you know, it was like, oh, this is the minimum payment. And we paid that. And that was it. So like, we didn't know about paying debt off early. I never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. But when we started doing that research, we found all of these people who were paying off their student loans in, you know, five years, two years, things like that, paying off houses in, you know, five, 10 years. And so that really sparked my interest. And so I started a blog that was just kind of talking about our journey. And then from there, uh, friends from law school, some of my colleagues at work, like, learned about what we were doing, asked like, oh, how are you doing this? And so I started helping them. Hmm. And 2019, like the end of 2019, I started having the thought that I could help people more broadly, like beyond my personal circle. Yeah. And so like, I didn't actually move on that though, until 2020, because we all know what happened in 2020. Mm -hmm. First, 2020 came out of nowhere and really hit me because it was like, how has it been 10 years? I remember 2010, (laughs) like it was yesterday. What's happening? Yeah. But then, of course, the pandemic, like all of the things that were happening, like life changed in an instant. Uh And so like how short life can be, how quickly things can change, like all of that was really at the forefront of my mind in 2020. And my thought was I did not want to keep thinking about this thing, right? Keep talking about like, oh, I want to do this thing. I've been talking about it since the end of 2019, and hadn't done anything. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started working with a coach and I launched the Instagram page that you mentioned. And then midway or so of that year, I launched my podcast, switched from blogging to podcasting and, you know, started telling people that I was available to coach them with their money. So yeah, Yeah. put yourself out there and it's been successful. It has indeed. And it's been a (laughs) lot of fun. It's something, like I said, that has been really interesting to me because of my personal experience, Uh but then being able to actually help people 
to experience the same thing, right? Because ultimately I left that firm that I mentioned at the end of last year. And a big part of that is the work that my husband and I have done on our finances and like being able to make that decision and money not even be a consideration or a factor in the decision. It was really cool. And so to be able to help other people do that as well, it's like, man, this is my job. Like, this is so cool. (laughs) So Ro, you went to the University of Alabama for law school and you went to Emory University for undergrad. Correct. Are you from Atlanta? No. So I was actually born in Alabama. If you are familiar with college football, you might be familiar with Auburn University. Yeah. I was born right near Auburn and I still got family in Auburn and grew up in New Jersey. My mom is from New Jersey. Okay. And so I grew up there and then moved back to the South to Columbus, Georgia, about an hour and a half South of Atlanta for Mm -hmm. high school. And so I've been in the South since high school, but not from Atlanta. So that's interesting because you have zero accent. I'm not getting New Jersey. I'm definitely not getting Georgia. Okay. Yeah. I think my accent has kind of like melded. You can hear it in certain things that I say. Okay. But I think because I've been in the South for so long, it's kind of like mellowed out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. And you wanted to be a lawyer. You said since the age of seven. Yes. What happened at seven that made you say, I think that would be a great profession. (laughs) You know, I don't think that there was any one thing that happened, Mm -hmm. but I remember I used to watch Matlock with my grandma (laughs) and, you know, like Law and Order, like all of those kinds of shows. And I thought that it looked cool. And then also at the same time, a lot of my family would tell me that I should be a lawyer because I like to argue. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, those kind of like, oh, they're telling me that I should be a lawyer. I already think that this looks kind of fun on TV. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what I'll do. And so I decided at seven that I was going to be a lawyer and literally went straight through to law school from there. Okay. I respect that. That's, um, that's foresight. I love it. All right. Well, thank you. (laughs) And Ro, when you were practicing, what area of law were you practicing in? I was a trademark lawyer. Okay. Which All right. For people who are unfamiliar, I help to protect brands. So like, you know, lots of the different brands that you might be familiar with are like, you know, for instance, Starbucks is a coffee company. Not that these are companies that I worked with, but just to let people know what brands are. So like, you know, Starbucks or Coca-Cola or- yeah things like that. Those are trademarks of those companies. And I help to protect those trademarks. So for instance, if Starbucks were my client and someone was trying to register stars and bucks for coffee and tea, Hmm. right? Like you can't do that. I don't know if you know, (laughs) there's a a company called Starbucks over here and this is very similar. So I would send, you know, those letters and, you know, negotiate terms and things like that to make sure that our clients' brands remained unique to them that other people weren't getting too close. Yeah. And did you intend to be a trademark attorney when you were in law school? Yes. I intended to be a trademark lawyer when I was in law school. I found it my first year. Uh I joined the ABA and joined, you know, a bunch of different sections as a student member, including the intellectual property section. Okay. And so I would get their newsletter and just reading about trademark was very interesting. And at the same time, the Christian Louboutin Yves Saint Laurent case was happening. Uh-huh. So for anyone who's unfamiliar with that one, Christian Louboutin, of course, has the red soul that is a registered trademark for them. 
And Yves Saint Laurent put out a shoe line where the entire shoe was the same color. So there's a yellow shoe, it had a yellow sole, blue shoe, blue sole, and they had a red shoe in there. And so Christian Louboutin reached out and you know asked them to let go of that shoe. And they were like, you can kick rocks. And so then <laughs> it ended up being this whole lawsuit. And it was just fascinating to me to think about like this color being a trademark and like, what are the bounds of protecting this color in this particular place and all of that. And so fast forward to my summers, like I've talked about being interested in trademark laws. Like, yeah, my first year I'm open to, you know, other things, but I'm really interested in this. And I had the opportunity to do it and loved it in practice. And uh-huh. then there I was, cause I'm not there anymore. Very cool. So when you left the firm in 2021, does that Correct. mean you and your husband paid off that entire $670,000 of that? Not the entire $670,000. Okay. We paid off all of the student loans and the car loan. Okay. We still have our mortgage. The mortgage, I think, is like 180, 190, something like that right okay. now. But yeah, so we have paid off the majority of it. And I was like, I'm cool having a mortgage, like no debt, but a mortgage. I'm good with that. I mean, listen, I don't think I've made 400000 in my life and you paid that off. <laughs> so that is a huge accomplishment. Like that's well, a really thank big you. deal. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's huge. And I love that you were able to take something that became your passion and turn it into your career, right? Like you enjoy talking about money and now people actually pay you. And this is your job to help other people with their finances. Like how awesome is that? Thank you. Yeah, it is really amazing and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Okay. So did you stop blogging when you started podcasting or are you still doing both? Yeah, I stopped blogging in the traditional blogging sense, if that makes sense. I do create a blog post every time I create a podcast episode. Okay. But in the way of like people just creating a blog post to create a blog post, I don't do that. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. So in your questionnaire for the show, you mentioned that working as a finance coach, you meet with clients, you create content, you network, things like that. What are some of the networking activities that you do? I am on Instagram, as you mentioned, and Uh on LinkedIn. And so those are my primary ways of networking. Yeah. Um, Just being in different communities with people. Like I'm in a few different uh, groups on LinkedIn, especially of other lawyers or of other like coaches, things like that. And then I haven't ventured out just yet into in-person networking. I Uh felt a little bit anxious about COVID. And then venturing some into in-person as the weather warms up and, you know, we're all vaxxed and boosted and all Exactly. (laughs) So I just had a total light bulb moment because I was like, wait, social media is networking. Why haven't I ever considered that? Yes, it's absolutely networking. I think it is like we tend to have this thought about networking that it has to look this certain way, right? Uh Like I go into this event and I get my name tag and Uh I'm make small talk with a drink in my hand, but no, like when you're meeting people and like making connections, like I have lots of zoom calls like this, uh-huh. not like this. Cause they're not all recorded, but <laughs> I have lots of zoom calls with people just to get to know them and find out more about what they do and share what I do. And you know, all of that is networking. Yeah. And honestly, on a day that I have a post, like I'll get on there and I'll spend like 30 minutes commenting, liking, looking at people's stuff. And you put up your post and you do the same thing. And that is working a room in a sense, you know? Exactly. Um, It just doesn't look the way that it used to. Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. That is networking. So 
were you always a creative person? And did you consider creating the blog even a creative venture? Or were you really just trying to document the journey that you and your husband were going on? I mean, I guess I'm creative to an extent. Mm -hmm. I've always liked to draw, although I have not made time for drawing a whole lot in recent years. Yeah. So I guess to the extent that that is creative, Mm -hmm. then yes. I didn't think about the blog as a creative venture, although I suppose I was creating work Mm -hmm. in the world, right? So yeah, I suppose that was a creative thing, but I didn't look at it that way. Like when I started, I was having a hard time finding people who had as much debt as we had. Okay. Like I would see stories of people who had like, oh, I paid off this $30,000 and, you know, I paid off 70, you know, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And of course, not to diminish what they did, that's still huge, but it was hard to find people who had, like, I did not see people who had multiple six figure debts like Mm -hmm. me. And so I thought that I was finding a lot of inspiration still, even in those stories with smaller numbers. And so I then could be that inspiration for other people who were similarly situated to us Uh because they likely also were not finding people who had similar debt stories. And so that was kind of the motivation there that I could share at at first with the blog. It was anonymous. I was terrible at being anonymous, by the way. Like I would (laughs) like people would reach out to me and that would like sign my name. And, um, you know, at one point I did switch to like actually sharing my name and my picture. And I found that the more that I was me and like Uh shared myself, the more opportunities I got to connect with other people. And I think part of that was being able to connect in a more authentic way, because I'm not trying to like, oh, I have to like make sure that I don't say this. So they can't, mm-hmm. you know, there's no personally identifying information in there and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then of course, like on the podcast, it was like, hey, my name is Ro Thomas and here is all of my business. Like, yeah. This whole thing is me. me. You. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but to your actual question, like, no, I didn't see the blog as like a, a creative venture. It was more just to help other people by sharing our story. Yeah. So what was it that made you decide to start the Wealthiest podcast? So part of that was with the blog, it was not like meant for anyone in particular. It was Mm -hmm. just like, oh yes, here is my story. Like here's what's going on. Here are things that I'm learning. And like I said, at the end of 2019, I was thinking that I could really help lawyers. And so initially I thought that that was going to be reconfiguring the blog to speak specifically to lawyers. Okay. And as I started, I told you I did a coaching program at the beginning of 2020. Like it was like everybody work from home, you know, for two weeks, Mm -hmm. flatten the curve. And so I had that call and I was making the decision about whether to join. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to be home. And so I was like, oh, do I do it? Do I not? And so, you know, journaled about it, prayed about it, like talked to my husband about it. And ultimately I decided like, I'm feeling this tug to Mm -hmm. do this. And I think that this program can help me. And so I'm not going to bring my human understanding to what God is trying to do here. Yeah. And so ultimately I did the program and in doing the program, one of the things that she talked about was making sure that you have a medium for delivering your message. Mm. And I had this blog, but I was thinking about like, okay, a lot of times I'm like working and drafting documents all day. And then I come home and I'm trying to write more for a blog. Yeah. Right. And like often when things would get busy at work, the blog would get put on the back burner, things like that. And I like to talk. 
if you have not noticed. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, what if I did a podcast yeah. instead of a blog? Because, you know, sometimes you get writer's block, like things like that. It's like nobody ever gets speaker's block. I heard uh-huh. somebody say that once and I was like, that is really true. And yeah. so that's what made me kind of shift to the podcast. It was, you know, already thinking that I wanted to do something specific to lawyers and then having this coach talk about making sure that you have a specific medium that you're getting your message out regularly. And then coupled with, I like to talk and sometimes writing after writing all day can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Just a natural progression. The reason I asked was because I grew up and I went to like arts elementary schools and did like writing retreats and all this stuff. I was extremely creative and artsy. And then I think I just forgot about it. And then I started podcasting and I was like, wait, I also like to speak on camera and I like public speaking and I like painting. And I, it's like podcasting. It's like, it just reminded me that I was creative and that I can be really creative. I love that, you know, getting into podcasting kind of unlocked or opened up that part of you that you had forgotten about, because Mm -hmm. I think that that experience is so common, especially in fields like law, where you are, you know, you've got to be this way, right? Like you're reading cases and you're learning about writing and, you know, drafting this correctly and all of that. You get so caught up in that like logical left brain side of things that often you forget about the right brain things. Like Mm -hmm. I mentioned, I hadn't really drawn in years. I said recent years because I forget how long I've been out of school, but like honestly, since, you know, law school probably Mm -hmm. because I just didn't make time for it. And then, you know, like we just talked about being in that left brain logical side, I was not, you know, remembering, or I would forget about those right brain things that I like to do. Mm -hmm. I know you've mentioned that you stopped practicing, or at least you left your legal job in 2021. Are you keeping your license active in Georgia? No, my license is inactive. I didn't completely give it up, but it's inactive. Was that intentional? Oh, yeah, it was definitely, definitely intentional because I don't plan to go back to practicing. Okay. But never say never because I also never saw myself leaving. Yeah. And so like I know sometimes people will just relinquish the license altogether and they would have to take the bar again if they Mm. wanted to practice again. Like I didn't want to do that. Okay. Don't want to go that far. Okay. But I don't plan to practice. And so I, you know, kept the license. I still have to pay, you know, dues to maintain even the inactive license. Hmm. But I did not want to maintain the active license because I don't have any intention of practicing anytime soon. Yeah. But, so I'm still a member of the state bar. I just yeah. am an active member. No, it makes sense. I'm just like, that's such a lawyer thing that you still have to pay, even though. <laughs> right. Okay. So this question is not even written down. I just thought about it based off what you said, because I've been going through my own little struggle of, I didn't intend for this to be my life, but podcasting turned me into writing for a podcast organization. And then I started doing newsletters for people and blogs. And then I was writing drip email campaigns and I've created this whole like strategic communication consulting that I never saw coming. Yes. Follow the breadcrumbs, right? Yes. But I, it's terrifying because I'm like, if I never intended to have this, how do I know it's not going to (laughs) fall? Like, did you experience anything like that? Or did you have enough of a demand that you were like, no, I could actually cover all of my bills, maintain my entire lifestyle 
with doing the financial coaching? You know, I think what you described is what all entrepreneurs go through. Like, I think we all have that thought of like, oh, what if it fails? Like, okay. what if it's not going to work out? You know, like, I don't think that that's not true. I'm sure that there are probably some people who are like, oh, yes, this is great. And I've got it going, you know, <laughs> but like I'm in another group coaching program with coaches who are making like a range of incomes. And even the six figure ones are like, yeah, I just feel like all of it's going to fall apart. You know, yeah. so like that is, I think, the work of every entrepreneur. Okay. Where because we are so conditioned to believe that the stable thing is to have a nine to five job where someone else is paying us and, you know, whatever else. Yeah. Like it's risky to start a business. But I heard a really interesting reframe uh, at some point within the last couple of years where the woman was saying, Why is it risky for me to do this thing that I have 100% control over? but it's safe and stable for me to be in a position that is 100% in the control of someone else. That's true. Exactly. And I was like, that is so true. And (laughs) like, yes, we think about, you know, a nine to five job as stable, but even, you know, in this pandemic, thinking about the people who were laid off or the people who were furloughed or, you know, things like that, they had no control over that Mm -hmm. versus when you are an entrepreneur you have a lot of control, right? You are out there marketing your business and telling people what you do and making offers and all of that. So you've got a lot more control and it's a lot less risky than we have been conditioned to believe. So it's just being uncomfortable with doing something different. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Cause every day I have to talk to myself and I'm like, this is what you said you're going to do. Oh, look, they told another person. Now you got another. Okay. Well, I guess we're doing this. And I mean, I think to your point, it's the discomfort of doing something different, Mm -hmm. right? It is that going against the grain of what we've been taught in society. And so, yes, the work for you, for me, for all of the entrepreneurs is telling ourselves, you know, yes, I'm going to do this thing and I am determined to make it work. So I'm going to get out here and make it work. Uh Right. Like I'm doing this thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. And then Ro, just wrapping up, is there anything that you would like to tell the audience about debt, you know, getting your finances together, anything that you think would motivate them? Yeah. I'll say that your career can look however you want it to. Uh Right. So even if you envision it being one way, it can change and that's okay. Right. It doesn't mean anything bad about you or anything like that you get to decide how you want to live your life and how you want your career to be. Mm -hmm. So don't think that you have to follow this set path or anything you get to decide and whatever you decide is perfectly fine. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating, tell a friend about this podcast and subscribe to the show so that you never miss a new episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.